This is Ash of Voices, I'm JD Gray. If sometime over the next few weeks you find yourself in a store or shopping online, as many people surely will be, there's one item you may see on the shelves that wasn't there last year, over-the-counter hearing aids. These devices became available in October, and we're just beginning to see what OTC hearing aids mean for the future of hearing health. One interprofessional duo is hoping these devices may allow pharmacies to play a role in connecting people in need of hearing health care with audiologists who provide that care. In this encore publication of ASHA Voices, audiologist Elaine Mormer and pharmacist Lucas Berenbrock discuss how audiologists and pharmacists can collaborate and the opportunities OTCs create for both. I'm JD Gray, and this is ASHA Voices. Support for this podcast comes from ASHA's National Outcomes Measurement System for Audiology. NOMS for Audiology is a powerful data collection tool that allows you to track your organization's clinical performance. Better data, better care. Find out what NOMS can do for you at asha.org NOMS. A duo from the University of Pittsburgh explains what role OTC hearing aids might play in connecting audiologists and pharmacists. This conversation was originally recorded and published in April of this year, before the final draft of regulations for OTC hearing aids was released, and well before these devices landed on store shelves this fall. Audiologist Elaine Mormer is a professor and the vice chair for clinical education in the Department of Communication Science and Disorders at the University of Pittsburgh. Her colleague, Lucas Berenbrock, is an associate professor of pharmacy and therapeutics in Pitt's School of Pharmacy. I asked them to tell me when they realized they should be speaking with each other about this subject. Well, I think, Elaine, it all started for me when we had our students together talking about how they can best help older adults. My students in the Doctor of Pharmacy program were at local community senior centers talking about medications. We thought, gee, What's the other great need that older adults have? It must be their hearing. And so Elaine and I connected. We got her students to join us. And that's when Elaine told me as a pharmacist that OTC hearing aids would be coming soon. And it just opened up this big world of kind of collaboration that started to fly through my head on how and why and when pharmacists would be able to kind of take on a new role and responsibility of connecting people with solutions and connecting people with audiologists. And I think that it struck me when I saw Luke's reaction to talking about OTC hearing aids, and I realized, wow, he doesn't know about this. And I wondered, do you think other pharmacists know about this? And he said, no. And I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity for us to collaborate and for audiology to really take the initiative to educate and collaborate with pharmacists. We discuss interprofessional care on this podcast pretty often. Elaine, I was wondering, why are we hearing so much about the need for hearing health and other aspects of healthcare to be integrated? Well, one thing is that probably a lot of us are familiar with the notion that hearing loss is the third most common chronic condition among older adults, which means that all of our healthcare colleagues, whether they're in occupational therapy, physical therapy, pharmacy, medicine, whatever areas they're in, if they're working with older adults, they're working with people with hearing loss. And if they're working with people with hearing loss, those people are having barriers to the communication and conversations that are taking place between them. 
it's something that just naturally falls across all of our professions. A big part of this conversation is access. You co-authored an article about over-the-counter hearing aids for the online publication The Conversation in September of last year, shortly before draft of the regulations covering these devices was published. But in that article, you wrote, quote, 90% of Americans live within five miles of one of the more than 60,000 community pharmacies nationwide, end quote. There's an old expression. You only get one chance to make a first impression. So yes, access to hearing aids is good, but if they aren't used properly or meeting the needs of the clients, then maybe it's not as good. How do you see pharmacists and audiologists collaborating to make sure that people are having positive experiences with hearing health when these devices hit the shelves? The opportunity to collaborate, I think, is really kind of unprecedented here, especially whenever you look at the number of professionals that each profession has. And I don't think anyone's surprised to know or to hear that pharmacists and pharmacy locations greatly outnumber audiologists and other hearing professionals in their locations. But I think that's a really good thing because that means that pharmacies that are very accessible to people can make referrals to maybe the lesser known locations of where audiologists take care of their patients and where they're accessible to their communities. And so I think having that other point of access and that other door into the hearing healthcare arena is going to be really important. And I think that's what OTC hearing aids are going to do. They're going to give people another way to access care and another way to find an audiologist. And I think that another aspect of the collaboration is related to the limitations of OTC hearing aids. These devices are for people who are over age 18 and for people who have perceived mild to moderate hearing loss. That certainly addresses a lot of people who are hearing aid candidates, and it leaves out a lot of people who really need hearing help. So first we have the group of people who won't be eligible for them, but who might try to go in and purchase them. And for those folks, where I see the collaboration is that if we educate the pharmacists or whoever's selling these to make referrals to audiology, then we can get help for those people in the form that they really should get. The other side of that is that People will try to purchase OTC hearing aids, people who are over age 18, people who do perceive that they have mild to moderate hearing loss. And for a variety of reasons, the OTC hearing aids won't be the right thing for them. Maybe they're not able to manage the self-fitting process that they'll have to go through, or they have some circumstance that for whatever reason, the hearing aid isn't gonna be helpful for them. And in those cases, again, it's an opportunity for the pharmacists to make referrals to audiologists. We're also talking about perceived hearing loss, and I can imagine some people might perceive their hearing loss to be different than an audiologist would measure it. For sure, one of the things that we're trying to educate pharmacists about is that a recommendation to get a complete hearing test is always a great starting place if you believe that you have hearing loss. If you're an audiologist wondering how to connect with a pharmacist, I want to point you to Ash's OTC toolkit. Elaine and Luke helped Asha compile the toolkit. They gave input on a letter that audiologists can use to introduce themselves to pharmacists. That OTC hearing aid toolkit, which includes more resources, guides, an infographic, and links to Asha publications, is available now. 
Find a link to the toolkit on the blog post for this episode at on.ash.org slash podcast. Elaine shares other resources she recommends for audiologists interested in starting conversations with pharmacists in their own or nearby communities. I also think there are resources that they could use from the American Academy of Audiology that they could share with pharmacists including opportunities for continuing education, information about the red flag conditions, and just general information that they can offer. I also think that there are some simple tips and tricks that I've given to pharmacists just in the conversations that I've been having with them that they really appreciate. So quick things like showing them how to use a PSAP amplifier behind their counter to make it easier for their patients to hear them, or showing them how to use a app on the phone that will do live transcription to make sure that they're being understood by their patients. Things like that are greatly appreciated. Luke, Elaine just mentioned that sometimes maybe audiologists might have a different word for something than than a pharmacist. I'm thinking specifically when we talk about OTC hearing aids, if I say OTC to an audiologist, they're probably going to think of OTC hearing aids. But in the pharmacy, there's quite a few items that are going over the counter, right? So because speaking the same language can aid collaboration, Luke, what translational language should audiologists be aware of? Yeah, that's a great question. Elena and I have put a lot of thought into this because we really think that one of the ways to collaborate with other people is to speak the same language or at least to understand the terminology and the lingo that might be profession-specific. I think some of the lingo that's really important for audiologists and pharmacists to match up is when we talk about who should not receive these devices. Pharmacists call the list of things that would exclude someone or that would raise an eyebrow to using a device like this as exclusions to self-care, meaning this is not really something that the patient should be treating on their own. So those could be some of those medical conditions that would need a really thorough workup and evaluation by somebody like an audiologist, a physician, or a specialist. And I think we can sometimes also call those as red flags. That's not a terminology that pharmacists use every single day, but it's terminology that pharmacists would certainly understand since that's some terminology that audiologists use as well. What would some of those red flags be? So there are a number of red flags that are traditionally known and understood related to hearing aids. So that would be things like pain in the ear, drainage from the ear, a sudden onset hearing loss, a visible deformity or malformation of the ear, an asymmetry between the right and left ears in terms of the hearing loss, things like that. One thing that sometimes comes up in conversation around OTCs I've heard is scope of practice and also just sharing the same territory. So I kind of wanted to ask this question plainly. Why should audiologists help pharmacists sell hearing aids and why should pharmacists seek guidance and input from audiologists for over-the-counter devices? So one thing that I've learned very clearly from Luke and from other pharmacists that I've been speaking with is that pharmacists are trained to screen out cases where patients should not be doing their own self-care. Their primary goal is to make sure that patients are getting appropriate, safe, and effective use of self-care products. And if we think of over-the-counter hearing aids as self-care products, which is what they are intended to be, 
then these products are no different than other OTC products that pharmacists are screening for all the time. So in a way you can say it's not that different than when a patient asks the pharmacist what they think about them taking XYZ aspirin for a headache and the pharmacist goes through a series of questions to determine is this appropriate, is this safe, will it be effective for the condition that the patient is describing. If we educate the pharmacist to recognize those conditions that would exclude self-care, then it should be just fine for them to manage these over-the-counter hearing aids. And could even, it sounds like, lead to increased referrals, as we've been talking about. It could absolutely lead to increased referrals. I also think it's important to be realizing that we're not talking about pharmacists fitting hearing aids. They are not doing the act of fitting hearing aids. They are, again, giving some guidance and support, answering questions, and screening for self-care. And if I could add, pharmacists taking on new opportunities is by no means new to our profession. Take, for example, influenza vaccines or flu shots. Not long ago, in recent history, pharmacists weren't giving immunizations. And now a lot of people would probably think of a pharmacy first when they think of locations and where they could get a flu shot or a COVID-19 shot. And it's not that when things become more accessible that the pharmacists and the pharmacies are doing something that takes away from another provider or another clinician or another professional. What we in pharmacy usually like to say is that there's always more pie. Um, It's not that there's a set amount of slices and it has to be divvied up. It's that there is so much pie for everyone that having another clinician or another professional involved is actually going to be helpful to get more people the care that they need. And I think OTC hearing aids is an example of one of those things just because the sheer number of people with hearing loss or who could benefit from either an OTC hearing aid device or a professionally fit hearing aid is so great. And the number of audiologists are so small that there needs to be some extra help. And really the goal of the discussions that Alain and I are having and the education that we're trying to provide and the the speaking engagements that we have is to help both professions understand that there's such a great opportunity and it's only going to work if the pharmacists can work with audiologists and refer to people and know just as much to say, no, you shouldn't buy this product as they do to say, yes, here's a product that might work for you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Elaine and Luke tell us why pharmacists like having their reference information on magnets. Support for Asha Voices comes from NOMS for Audiology, a new data registry. Use NOMS to track your data against national averages to identify clinical improvement opportunities, successfully negotiate reimbursement with payers, and demonstrate the value of your audiological services. Better data, better care. Find out what NOMS can do for you at asha.org NOMS. Elaine and Luke are busy researching, speaking to, and educating audiologists and pharmacists about collaboration 
and OTC hearing aids. They've developed a continuing education course through the University of Pittsburgh. It's called Championing Hearing, using accessible medication experts at the community pharmacy. They've also been speaking to audiologists and pharmacists at conferences. Elaine says the duo has been surprised by the positive reaction they received. I asked how they knew what subjects to educate pharmacists about. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. We wanted to make sure that the material that we included in the continuing education for pharmacists would be the most relevant and appropriate information. So we actually were able to use some grant money from an internal grant from the University of Pittsburgh. We brought together a stakeholder panel representing manufacturers of PSAPs and hearing aids, people with hearing loss, including a representative from the Hearing Loss Association of America. We had audiologists from ASHA and from the American Academy of Audiology. And we had pharmacists from the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy, the American Pharmacists Association, and the National Association of Chain Drug Stores. And we applied a research methodology known as the Delphi Method, And that is a method that's used in order to achieve a consensus among a diverse group of people. We brought these folks together and we applied the Delphi method. We did an adaptation of that method so that we achieved a consensus on what the competencies should be for pharmacists who were supporting people buying OTC hearing aids. And we did publish that list of competencies in the Journal of the American Pharmacy Association. And then we built the education program backwards from what those competencies were. We'll put a link to that article on the blog post for this episode at on.asha.org slash podcast. What were a few of the takeaways? Well, a few of the takeaways were, number one, that pharmacists should be able to recognize the signs and the symptoms of hearing loss and to recognize the exclusions for self-care. Another was to have the information necessary to make referrals when self-care is inappropriate. And that pharmacists should be able to collaborate with audiologists for advice and referrals. And we were sure not to leave out, and we were glad we got consensus on this, that pharmacists should be able to communicate effectively with persons who have hearing loss. So that's some examples from the whole list. And that kind of harkens back to what you're talking about with providing amplifiers to pharmacists. Right. We definitely have shown them in the materials. We've shown them some of the simple amplifiers that they can use just to communicate with customers who are at the counter and having trouble hearing. We're talking about some of the different ways that you've both been educating pharmacists about hearing health. And I also understand that you've created magnets that you can give to pharmacists. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so the magnets actually were the result of a grant that we applied for through the American Academy of Audiology. So this was a grant focused on outreach to other professions about hearing. And we proposed that we could educate pharmacists about OTC hearing aids if we could give them some information that had those red flag indicators on them so that they would be readily available to them. And so we went to the pharmacists and asked them what format they would want that information in. 
And I learned, as I've learned many things from the pharmacists, that they like their information on magnets that stick on the refrigerator in the pharmacy. And we designed a magnet that would have this information. We put a QR code on it so that they could easily scan it and see, again, what they would call the exclusions for self-care and have that right in front of them, as well as a link to find an audiologist to make referrals to. It's interesting. I probably would have sent a PDF or a webinar, a magnet. Why a magnet? That was one of the first things that came to my mind. I used to practice as a community pharmacist, and a lot of information that pharmacists need is displayed somewhere that they can see kind of at all times. Sometimes that's right in front of the computer screen. Sometimes that's at the counter. Sometimes it's sticky notes. But a lot of times it's magnets on fridges. Every pharmacy has a fridge that's pretty big. That's where insulin is stored and other medications. And when you have it kind of right in front of your face, the information that you need, you're more likely to use it. So we were really tapping into my knowledge as a community pharmacist and how we could make sure that they had the information at the point of time that they needed it and that it would be useful to them. That's really interesting. I wouldn't have guessed a magnet would have been the best approach, but that's interesting. Yeah. Well, we've talked about the red flag items, and I'm wondering if there's anything else that you think audiologists need to know about pharmacists or that pharmacists need to know about audiologists, especially as we start to anticipate these OTCs. Yeah, you know, the other thing that's becoming clearer and clearer to me as Elaine and I start looking at where pharmacies are, where audiology practices are, and we start looking at some mapping tools to see how close in proximity our professions are, is that probably all audiologists know where the closest pharmacy is to them. I doubt that a lot of pharmacists know where the closest audiology practice is to the pharmacy. And I think the reason being is one, there's way more pharmacies than there are audiology practices. But two, I think pharmacies are more, you know, are, are, are more ubiquitous to people. They're more in front of your face. People go there for more than just medications. People go there for uh, convenience items. People go there to buy lotto tickets. And audiology practices don't have that same type of convenience factor. And so I think that one of the great ways that our professions can connect is if an audiologist can introduce themselves to a, a pharmacist that's nearby and really open their eyes and say, hey, listen, I'm only down the street. And when you see a patient who you have to repeat yourself to all the time over the phone, or you've noticed that you really have to lean in and talk loud and slow, give me a ring. It, it'd be easy for them to come down and see me and I can give them that hearing screening or talk to them more about what needs they, they need to live a better life. And I don't think the onus is only on audiologists to make those connections. We're, we're going to tackle it from both ends, but I think that's a great place to start for those who are listening to this podcast. Make a new friend, stop in and see the pharmacist and, and really market yourself and tell them how you can help their patients really kind of have that better quality of life. Elaine, anything to add? Just that it was really gratifying to be at the American Pharmacists Association and to realize that pharmacists don't really know what we do, but they love learning about it. And they were very happy. I had several of them who said to me, it's really nice to see that your profession 
wants to work in a collaborative way rather than to feel that we or anyone is infringing on their turf. They want to work with us. They want to help us. They are better pharmacists when they know where to refer people to get the services that they need when they are not appropriate for their own self-care. Elaine, Luke, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Learn more about how audiologists and pharmacists can work together to assist people with hearing loss at on.asha.org slash podcast. And check out the ASHA Leader website for the latest on OTC hearing aids, including a recent feature on the devices. Once again, I want to highlight the ASHA OTC hearing aid toolkit. It has materials to educate patients about OTC hearing aids and the value of audiologist care. You'll also find materials to share with other healthcare providers to support collaboration. Find a link to the toolkit on the page for this episode of the podcast at on.ash.org slash podcast. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader Magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from ASHA's National Outcomes Measurement System for Audiology. Harness the power of data to take your practice to the next level. Better data, better care. Find out what NOMS can do for you at asha.org slash NOMS. I'm J.D. Gray. And this is ASHA Voices.